You don't sound autistic. Well, uh, what does an autistic person Wait. sound like? You're autistic? Yeah, I'm telling you that. You don't even look autistic. But, but we're talking about... Yeah, but, but I don't buy it. But I, I was diagnosed with autism and ADHD and anxiety and depression. You don't sound autistic. Welcome back to another episode of You Don't Sound Autistic. I'm Blake. And I'm Rochelle. And I'm autistic. And I'm not. We like to remind everyone to subscribe to the podcast on your preferred platform so you can be notified of the newest episodes when they're released. Be sure to join the Facebook group. Join the group. Join the conversation. That's You Don't Sound Autistic YDSA on Facebook. We like to welcome listeners from different countries and all over the United States. And the new people that have joined the Facebook group recently... Thank you so much for joining and for contributing to the group. Uh, check out YouDon'tSoundAutistic.com for episode show notes and links to reference materials and episode posts. Also check out the Brain Hugs of the Shop to find the products we use to manage our daily lives. And for our new listeners... Oh, that's me. Um, you Don't Sound Autistic is a mental and emotional health awareness podcast each week, we do our best to represent both neuroperspectives and talk about the continual discovery process of life on the spectrum. Our goal is to illuminate, uncover, and transparently discuss life with multi-diagnosis through a multi-generational neurodivergent lens. We follow an open, unscripted, conversational format that represents the real life back and forth of communication and collaboration. Even if you aren't raising the next generation, you'll find the comparison of the age groups helpful in seeing the more hidden patterns in the DNA of your lifestyle and lineage. All right, let's kick this thing off. What's on your mind today? Well, I wanted to talk about work stuff. Okay. If that seems appropriate. Everything's appropriate. So. Part of your daily life? Part of my daily life. Let's go. So. Uh, for those that are, I think people that are following us know that I've been struggling at my previous job. Yeah, we've done a couple of uh, vocational-centric episodes, or at least topics within them. Yeah. And um, they should also know you've been suffering or struggling with depression. I think the two kind of coincide. It, it, it Yeah. Um, so I say that at the beginning of every episode. It, it's it's in the the intro. intro. Well, I know you have depression, but sometimes it's worse than other times. True. Um, you're making me lose my train of thought, Rochelle. Uh, what was I going to say? I think that people who've been following us know that you've been struggling at work. Right. So I've been looking for a new position for months. And even longer and uh finally found something that i thought i was gonna be able to switch into because it was better pay and um had benefits and the hours were going to work around my schedule to a degree even though it was really early in the morning and i'm not a morning person at all apparently because of that brief jaunt with that job i've turned into somewhat of a morning person which is really weird but um, I found a fast food job, which there's nothing wrong with that. But for my particular uh, sensitivities, I found that on the first day I needed to make biscuits. And it was, uh, there's timers. If anyone's ever worked in a kitchen, especially a fast food kitchen, 
there are timers for all the various things. You got your fry timers, you got your meat timers, you got, and then this was a chicken place. So chicken timers and grill timers and timers for the food for like when the food is, uh, it needs to be replaced because it's been out for too long. And then the biscuit timer. So I just hear timer, timer, timers. And every once in a while, uh, the person that was working, like, I don't even know what you would call it. Like the, 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 they were sometimes working the grill, but mostly, you know, like assemble, like the assembling section where they were actually assembling the sandwiches and assembling like the meals to send out to the customers mm-hmm. would yell back biscuits, but had a thick like accent. My boss had like an accent that was very hard to understand. Some of the other employees had these um, local dialects, basically, that I was just un- incapable of understanding. And so uh, that and the the, the um, temperatures, uh, walking into the walk-ins and the freezers and then going and being in front of a 400-degree oven all day and in front of the grease fryer and all these different things were compounding on themselves and uh after the first day actually in the middle of the first day i was like this is this was a mistake and i can't do this anymore and uh i toughed it out for a week and then i came back um so monday through friday and luckily i had saturday and sunday off and uh i had decided to go back to work on monday and once i got to monday um i decided i was gonna quit so i didn't even put my notice in. I had only been there for a week and I basically reached out and said, Hey, because of my, uh, sensory issues and, you know, other things that are just going on, I'm in, I, you know, I'm no longer able to work for the company and I apologize for the inconvenience. Mm -hmm. And, uh, the boss, you know, wrote back basically just saying like, Hey, you know, good luck to you. Kind of. Yeah. I mean, it's a risk. You, it's a respectful thing. You're, you're not, you're being respectful on your end and all jobs, especially in the first 30 to 90 days are trials, you know, it, it's meant to be, is this a good fit for you? Is it a good fit for them? Um, and you owe it to yourself to decide if that work environment is good for you because you don't, you are not required to give him your boss or your, any new company, like your medical history. So it, the onus is on you to know yourself, know where you thrive and what... What your boundaries are. Right. Your limit... Yeah. I, and limitations? I don't, well, I don't like the word limitations because obviously you weren't like... I was able to do the job, but I was it, struggling. And you were miserable and you were suffering. And so there was a limit in how much of it you could find enjoyable because it was putting you into the environment continued to reinforce a fight or flight nature. And that's just overwhelming. Like you can adapt to it. We know you that anyone can adapt to fight or flight. Our argument is why should you, why should you put on the mask? Why should you cement that mask to your face just to get through a work day when there are so many other work environments that are also potential good fits or better fits for you? Like you should not, I understand the need to protect yourself and that that mask can be very important in certain situations, but it shouldn't be an automatic that you have to endure just to get through a work day when there are other options. So with that, I had been looking for other positions, as I said, and one of the positions they ended up reaching back to me uh, 
for a grocery store and um uh friends of ours also um work for home depot Mm -hmm. and so um i decided to apply for that but that was a part-time position that didn't pay very well um but it was you know just a jumping off point and i figured that i could do like you know doordash or uber eats some you know or uh Something supplemental. Instacart or something to supplement my income in the meantime till I found something that was going to be full-time. Uh, and then I found this grocery store, grocery store job and um, it, good reputation. And I feel like from what I understand, like it shouldn't have, it shouldn't be doing, you know, the physical uh, labor, labor part of it um, is fine. It's the, the part of the, fast food job that was difficult was that I was for like forced into an environment where I was very uncomfortable. Well, and his brain uncomfortable. It's sensory. It's like you have to input sounds and, and temperatures and moving pieces and you're still in training. I mean, like that's, that's overload for the brain. I just felt like I was flinching at everything. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. You know, and not just that, like I had to clean the fryers, um, and you you filter the the fryer oil and that's really hot and then like i don't like it when you go somewhere and they make you watch like a training video that's you know and they ask you all these questions and you have to answer them you know and get like a certain percentage on the test in order to move forward and then you go into the actual training and they're like well you don't really need to do that and you can do that but most people wouldn't do that and you know like yeah, for they one just of contradict the, themselves yeah and so i'm like why did i sit there and go through the motions of watching that video then because that's what it feels like now it feels like i was trying to learn something and it was pointless it was just a waste of time right when you could have just showed it to me um my i learned by doing um so you know someone showed it to me twice and i got to figure it out right and i would never have been able to figure it out just based on the video I watched once that kind of like rushes through everything. Anyway, I I guess the big question is, as you were running into those conflicts, did you feel like you were in an environment where you could bring that up? No. Or or did you feel like you just had, I didn't feel comfortable. I was too new. I didn't feel comfortable mentioning any of that. So to me, I guess I took the coward's way out and I sent a text instead of talking to my boss at the end of the shift. Cause I was ready. Like I was, I knew it was going to be my last day in the middle of that day, I just was like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. Um, I wouldn't. Yeah. And and I'm proud of you for saying I can't do this anymore, but I also encourage you to think of it as like, I love myself enough to know that I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to suffer through this any longer. It's actually, um, it's, it's not giving up. It's not giving in. It's an act of self love. And I encourage you to look at it in that sense, although I know how paradigm shifting that sounds. If I, if I had shown an act of self-love, I wouldn't have had to quit. They would have fired me on the spot. There's a lot. Okay. Why do you love? Okay. Love and sex are not the same things. Self-love is being an advocate for yourself and saying that your needs matter and that your environment matters and that how you feel matters. That's what self-love acts are. Not, Sexual things are totally different conversation. <laughs> it's not all. But, but adds color to the conversation, Rochelle. Okay, maybe so. But uh, but I'm I'm encouraging a higher level thinking here because in reality, what you did was incredibly self-loving because you actually are, unfortunately, very adapted to suffering. 
because you've been in your previous job suffering for so long that you've adapted to suffering. So I'm proud of you for calling it at the sixth day and saying, no, I'm not going to suffer any longer. Like this is beyond suffering. The other one was more emotional suffering because it wasn't where you wanted to be, but the environment didn't suck. And the people you were working with were, you know, they weren't engaging and they weren't positive. And so you didn't have great relationships. And so that was another emotional drain, but the work itself and the environment was neutral, right? Wasn't great. Wasn't bad not comparative to well no but the pay cut um that was the straw that broke the camel's back yeah because that's a mark of devaluation like you were devalued at that point and so your your talents and your skills are valued you value your talents and skills more than the company did so you have every right to move on i mean you always have a right to move on so one of the conversations we've had a lot going through this process is the concept of undeciding you because de- it's so easy to forget that you have both options available. It's like, okay, well I decided to work for them. So I have to stick it out. Uh, no, you don't, <laughs> you can undecide. And I'm not advocating like being wishy-washy, but I'm just, there's a rigidity to autism and there's a rigidity to um, a lot of the neurodivergence where you just, you feel like you have to, kind of stick with it or your brain kind of sticks with it for you and you don't always exercise flexibility as easily as others might and so as a result you can inadvertently suffer for much longer periods than you were ever meant to trying to get to the good news here i know go ahead i'd underline my point before i lost it okay Um, so I went to the grocery store and I met with a manager, um, you know, they had reached out to me and it actually, it had happened, um, a week or so before I got the job at the fast food place and, um, they were like, Oh, call back and talk to the manager. And I had called and it was for a different store and, um, and then they weren't in. And so then I got the offer to work at the fast food place. And so I was like, well, I'm not going to pursue this anymore. I got a job. Mm-hmm. And so I just kind of let it slide. And then, and then they reached out again with another email saying like, Hey, this store is interested in you. So anyway, I went in to meet with um, the grocery manager had a very pleasant conversation with him. And I wasn't exactly, it was so chilled that i was like okay this either went really well mm-hmm. or he was just a really nice guy yeah you yeah um, for days we were we actually weren't sure how it went because because <laughs> i think i talked to him on friday or it was thursday. A thursday thursday night yeah. you went in and uh he's like you know i'm gonna talk to my assistant manager and we'll see if we have a position for you because it's very rare for you to get hired in a full time and you're looking for full time in this company and because uh, most of the positions they have are for part timers. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I'll reach out to you on Monday by Monday and, uh, you know, we'll see what's what. And then on Sunday, a woman from another store called me and left me a voicemail. So I called her right back and she said, we do have a full time position um, in our store. So, you know, like reach out to me. So I called her back and she on the phone pretty much said if you do well during this second interview then we'll probably offer you the job on the spot um so bring your id and your social security card 
And uh, so I was like, okay, well, that sounds promising. But still, I'm always very, like, hesitant and reluctant to think of good news as good news. Yeah, because that's also kind of, it's, it was confusing to know what, where and why she was saying what she was saying, right? Was she saying you'd be hired on the spot because they're absolutely desperate? Or was there some background that lended her comment towards an evaluation of you? Like, we didn't know how connected the other stores were. We didn't really know any of the background behind it or, you know, if they'd had any conversations. Like, were you tr- were you recommended to this other store or were just passed over? You know, there's those differences can count because sometimes if companies are just so desperate to hire manpower and it's not about the value of the person, then then it, you don't feel as excited to be there. Yeah. So I ended up going in for the second interview with a different store, and she asked me a few basic questions like, why do you want to work here? And tell me a little bit about yourself. And, you know, it was really just maybe one other question. And then asked me what my rate of pay would be, and they needed to get it approved by the store manager. And she walked away on her cell phone, and I was like, man, I'm not going to get what I'm asking for. She comes back and she's like, you got what you asked for, um, full time. And then she starts like kind of typing some stuff up and she goes, Oh, did you want to accept the position? (laughs) And, uh, she, she said, and she also said, which was really nice, uh, during the interview, she goes, you know, the other manager was uh, very impressed by you. I'm paraphrasing, but was very impressed by you. And so reached out to us because knew that we needed um, someone to fill a position in the department you were looking for and full time, full time. And to uh, and so she spoke to the store manager about that. And they were basically like, get him in here as soon as possible because we don't want to lose him to another company. Yeah, that's really cool to hear. And it's very well deserved because when you look at your resume and you see the loyalty and the skill development and the relationship building skills and just how much effort you put into your work and it shows, you know, through your, your, your resume, someone who's looking for, you know, a career partner is gonna want you. And that's one of the things we talked a lot about is I'm like, you're not valuing yourself enough. And I think that it's really easy because you look at positions so literally, right? Like I, I literally don't have this training or I'm not exactly what they're asking for. And we've talked in previous episodes how easy it was for you to kind of discount your value. And unfortunately, the job you just left, you discounted your value so much that when you walked in, you know, your skill set was not a fit for them. And the their environment was not a fit for you. So... To walk into this next, by contrast, to walk into the grocery store and have both of those fits be um, mutually, what's the word? Um, Beneficial? Yeah, mutually beneficial. That feels really good, you know? You're like, yes, not only do I feel like they have a respect for my skill set and I I can bring value to the table, but they also want me here. Right. And everyone was really friendly and I could understand the... Three people I spoke to. <laughs> That's a big deal, you know. And you don't want to. You don't want to have to walk up to be someone and be like, "I have no idea what you're saying. Like, I can't well, comprehend." I mean, in that kitchen, it's loud, and someone's like, you know, it's like, um, I'll, I'll, the boss was was saying something about changing oil, but it, he was like, "Change oil," and I was like, "What?" 
change oil. You need to change oil. And I was like, I don't know what you're saying. I'm sorry. And he was like, the oil, the oil, the oil you need to. And I was like, oh, oil. <laughs> There's an I in there. <laughs> It's yeah. difficult. I mean, I, I, I obviously, you know, I struggle with auditory things for a variety of different reasons, like structurally. Well, and I take, and a lot of times I take things at face value. So I'm like, what word is he saying? Because I'm not thinking like in a theoretical ass like way that where I'm thinking like, okay, I don't know nobody's saying. It's like trying to interpret what Declan's saying. Right. Like that, I can make sense of because I know that he doesn't have. I think there's a limited number of things he could be referencing. Right. But he also just doesn't have the language skills. These are full grown adults. And so we just have a different language altogether. And it was like being in a kitchen where, you know, I was, everyone might as well have been like Scottish with really thick Scottish accents because, and I mentioned Scottish because I'm Scottish. Oh, <laughs> uh, so I don't, so I can't offend anybody. Um, but you know, knowing that like some Scottish people have these like really thick accents and they can talk really quickly and would be very hard to understand. Sure. It's a learned, it's and, a learned practice. Yeah. So anyway, um, anything that makes your brain hurt that much, like actually physically hurts your body to sit there in that environment. I mean, it's not like we make jokes about, oh my gosh, my brain hurts trying to listen to you, but it's a real, like it's a real thing and it's not necessarily a joke. It's, there's a, there's a palpable and measurable impact to how well your body functions. It, it can disrupt digestion, your sleep, your immune system, your frustration tolerance, like so many actual physical things that we take for granted because we're just like, ah, that sucked, but we're just so used to suffering and we're just accustomed to being in uncomfortable situations. And that's the part that I think as much as possible, we need to inch closer and closer and closer towards recreating our environment so that we're enjoying our day because there's direct physiological benefits when you have more enjoyable things in your day. Uh, your body performs better, your emotional regulation is better, you know, every single thing about life can start to improve. And that's the name of the game. You can, the point is to be yourself as much as possible. And then we're always going to be learning. Like learning is frustrating already because we're building um, knowledge in places we don't have it. So let the brain work there. Don't, you know, let's not complicate it with all this extra stuff. So I'm excited for you. I, I know the company that you're working for. I'm a huge fan as a, as a customer, as a consumer. Like, I'm an East Coast Southern girl, so I'm thrilled. And uh, I'm, I'm really optimistic about this change for you. And I know them to be a, a company that values their employees. So I think that, and that there's, you know, career opportunities and longevity potential. And anything that gives you that satisfaction background that brings you out of fight or flight that will help your brain heal to the point where you're re-engaging your creativity and then using your free time towards those creative projects. I think like that's the win. I think you might actually be in a position where you get to do that and you don't have to deal with customer. You're not customer facing in this one. Yes, I am. Not directly, not like before, like you're, it's not like they, you were doing all the customer management. I know what you're, you know, you'll be doing some assisting work but you're not problem solving like you were as the manager in your other jobs. Well, I mean, that's not what they told me. They said that I would be helping customers. Right. But in this, 
but it, but you're helping it's different like without going into too much detail the kinds of customer problems you'd have to solve in your previous job were sometimes unsolvable right sometimes things had happened and people were angry and there was nothing you could do to fix it the way you're being asked to help customers in this particular setting is so much more about just leading them and guiding them to the place that they're looking for. And there's a finite number of places you can walk to. Right. So the nature of the problem solving is completely different. And more than likely when you help them get to where they want to be, they're going to be very thankful where and appreciative of that in their previous setting. Like when, you know, the, not the fast food restaurant, but the one you left before, even if you solved their problem, they were half the time still very angry and, you know, bitchy about it. They still weren't, they never wanted to let you know that you'd actually solve their problem and let you win. Like they had to have that superiority part. And so you took the brunt of that. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I have orientation tomorrow. Yay. Uh, virtual orientation. And then I start on Monday. I'm excited. So I'm way more optimistic about this position than the last one because I felt with the last one it was it felt kind of like a step down even though this is like a further step down but it feels like the growth potential is there yeah I I actually think the last one was more of a step down that's what I just said oh I thought you were saying this new one is a step down well yeah but it's a step down because I'm not like a manager or anything yeah you're but I also I don't think so the word manager is really fluid um because management changes from industry to industry and how that that role kind of evolves and what it means and and what goes into it so i believe when you're changing industries like you are you're starting at the right place and then working your way up because managing has a whole different set of like paradigms and rules and everything and that's not something you just want to run and jump into without knowing the company culture and kind of how it all works. That's just not fair to do to yourself because it is so different, but I'm, I think you're going to do great. That's what everyone keeps saying. Yeah. Well, you're very capable and very skilled. And I think the only person that needed to know that was you. We'll see how I do. I hope I do well. So, um, were there parts of the last experience outside? I mean, you mentioned sensory and you mentioned, you know, the the timing of things and the chaos and the language of things. But what were the other, was there anything else where you found that you were really struggling in that environment and you felt almost hindered by the, um, I don't want to say conditions of autism, like, but, but what about you being autistic that made that job more difficult for you? Being able to speak up. Oh, yeah. I could see that. was definitely part of it. Um, my expectations were in one spot because I was thinking, like, I'm training to be a manager. Why am I making biscuits? Yeah, I was confused about that, too. Uh, but in, And it's because, you know, I but I did understand that they want you to learn how to do everything. So I did biscuits the first day. And then when I came in and did biscuits the next day, I was like, you got to be shitting me. Yeah. Now, did they explain how the manager position really works? I did not get a lot of really good information from them. Did you feel comfortable digging into that information during the interview process? No. Okay. And now, was that because of the language issues? I have a hard time self-advocating. Yeah. Do you think if you could have 
um, communicated better. Not saying you did anything bad, but if you think the language barrier wasn't so strong between you and your manager, do you feel like you might have been able to ask more questions? Or do you think that would have been a hindrance no matter what? Because it wasn't just the language barrier. Like every time they're busy and you walk up and, and you're like, hey, I have a question. Like when I worked at... Um, my previous jobs in media digitization, if I had a question, like the person would be like, yeah, let me help you and let me show you. And they were very helpful. Because their work was possible. I Well, I mean, not always, but to the point where people were just more receptive. They, they, it was like, please ask questions. Okay. Please ask more questions than you feel like you need to because we want to make sure you're doing your job right and that you're comfortable doing your job. Okay. Um, that wasn't so much the case in my second job in management in that industry um i got thrown into certain things and by the time i left there were certain things i still didn't know because no one ever taught me and it wasn't made a priority for me to learn them right um and then coming into this fast food place it was kind of just like okay here you're doing this all day and you know just learning by repetition and I can do that to a degree, but 10 hours of that two times in a row mm-hmm. was just too much. And then it's like, oh, like, I, you know, started doing like the fried chicken and it's like you have to marinate chicken and you have to. So, I mean, I do have an appreciation for people that work there for sure because yeah. it's not it's not easy. At least it wasn't easy for me. Um, I might have made it look easy because I wasn't. You I do. wasn't outwardly struggling. No, you don't. You're a duck on the water. And I, sometimes I don't think that's a benefit to you. Like someone could look over you and you're so focused on your task. And, and you would say to me, you'd come home and you'd repeat like 16 different steps for the day. And you're trying to remember them all. And I'm not even sure I could have remembered five. You know, so you're you're sitting there really, really focused on what you're doing. And to the outside observer, you look cool as a cucumber. Well, being on. Well, and, and like I was saying, like approaching the manager it was kind of like, to me, communication is so important. And so if you walk up to someone and you're like, hey, I need help with this. And then they kind of wave you off and don't really say anything. And then you go back and then they show you how to do it mm-hmm. without like, yeah, man, uh, just give me a minute and I'll be right with you. So you're like something simple like that. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that would be so much more helpful uh, as opposed to me just standing there with my dick in my hand, just trying to figure out what I'm supposed to do in the meantime. Cause I don't like being at work and not doing anything. I don't like standing around waiting for people to tell me what to do. I just want to do my job. So much about um, healthy, strong communication is about acknowledgement of what the other person has said. And we spend half of our communication life wondering if the other person has received what we've asked. So when the other person just leaves you hanging, whether it's at work or anywhere else, but when it isn't followed up with some sort of acknowledgement, then it puts your brain in an instant fight or flight. That's like, well, did they hear me? Did they understand me? Do I, are you rejecting me? Do I, are you just, do you want me to wait now? You're just sitting there trying to imagine what you're supposed to do next. And then also the fear sets in of like, oh, great. They're going to see me standing over here doing nothing. And they're going to judge that I'm (laughs) being lazy. You know, it sets off this rocket of this cascade of negative thinking and it could have all been mitigated by someone just acknowledging you. Yeah. There, there definitely could have been more communication because there was like times where, 
you know, like your, your goal is like, okay, you're on chicken today, which means like you're like you're marinating chicken. You have to take the marinated chicken. You have to bag it up by separate pieces. So like drumsticks, wings, thighs, and breasts. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, which, you know, breasts. Sure. I was okay with that. Um, and then you pull chicken and then you like batter it and then you fry it and then you have the timer for that. And then you're cleaning it up, whatever you just worked on, and you got to put a bunch of stuff away because it has to go back in the walk-in to be kept cool. And then you're supposed to, in the mean, in like, so I'm like, okay, this cooks for 12 minutes. Now I'm supposed to like, what? So, so like sweep the floor and you're responsible for taking the trash to the trash and also like to the designated area in the store where the trash goes and then taking the trash from there and taking it outside and then sweeping the lot and like making sure the trash is picked up. And I'm, so I, I kept having to be like, can I go? Like I kept having to ask if I could do my job. I'm like, okay, the chicken's done. Like, could it, can I go do this? And should I be doing this now? Mm-hmm. Like the direction of it. And, and every time it was like, it was like, yeah. And they did say like, oh, you're doing really well. But yeah, to we, get to that point took a lot of frustrating conversations. And I don't like, like approaching people. Well, there's probably the bigger challenge is you just you don't you don't find engaging with people yeah, under these kinds of circumstances rewarding. No, because no it's like people that have a warmth to them, I can you know, that are approachable that I can go up to you know that's one of the things like when i worked with uh, my friend richard mm-hmm. yeah he's very approachable. he was you know very approachable and was like oh yeah him hey man let me show you how to do this and yeah let's do this or, or just google it or whatever yeah you know but it wasn't like hey i need help with this and then like silence or like a finger up oh, i hate that well and someone who's patient with you when you ask for help automatically puts you in a mindset where you can be a little bit more patient with yourself. And I don't think we call enough attention to how important our responses are, you know, when we're collaborating with another person, especially in a training trainer environment, like, you know, someone's learning, the process of learning is stressful. So if they're treating you like you're a burden because you're learning, (laughs) you're not going to learn very well. And it seems like if they have this choreographed dance, of all these tasks that are built in in between timers you think that someone would have worked it out and given you the dance steps you know like here's how to here's how to dance at this station here's all the little things that you do but instead they just threw it at you like you're supposed to juggle eight balls and not drop them all yeah i mean like i wasn't sure like it it, at what point do i stop making biscuits like i got to the point where i finished doing i was doing fried chicken and i had to you know do the filters for the fryers which is gross um and like the oil is really hot and you're supposed to wear the suit the like you know it's supposed to keep you like an apron and gloves and a mask and all this stuff and the guy that showed me how to do it he's like you don't need the mask and all that stuff he's like if you know what you're doing and I'm like, but I don't. But I don't. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's just. So then, like, because I was afraid to look like a pussy. You didn't I, wear it. No. I wore it the first time. And then when I did it the next time, I just didn't do it. Sure. Well, you adapt fast. But, I mean, it just goes back to all these underlying points of, you know, feeling safe. But they said that you were supposed to do that. 
okay, but I hate that. Like when you tell me in a rule, I'm very I'm a rule follower, almost to a fault, because that's the thing that we that's exactly the conversation we were having before about like when do you quit when do you quit an environment because it's no longer good for you and when do you advocate for yourself because that's what's best for you and so someone puts a rule out and they don't explain the conditions of the rule then you just would from a literal and logical sense apply it to everything because that's what you believe that you need to do and in reality some rules are meant to be interpreted And some rules are more guidelines because they're best practices. And you'd have to change the names of things to give you the context between, you know, which type of expectation is coming with that rule or guideline. And we fail to speak with distinction because most people aren't that intentional about what they're saying. And so when you're listening in... And you're hanging on every word because you don't have your own experiences to make those judgments for yourself. You can inadvertently be led down a path that's very uncomfortable and possibly even incorrect. And you wouldn't know the difference. Hey, cat. Stop it. Um, Yeah. I mean, uh, what did you say? (laughs) Stupid cat. (laughs) Yeah, I am just saying. I don't remember what I said. Oh. It was it was brilliant though. It was well done. Thank I'll, you. I'll go back and listen to it later. Thank you. And I'll be inspired, and I'll think of something to say while I'm listening. To the <laughs> I do that all the time. Episode, and I'm like, ah, oh, I should have said this. Shoot. Yep. I uh, do that often. Should do that. I should just. I should. I should do my own podcast, which is me responding to the podcast, um, le- like after the fact, <laughs> and I'll just talk over you the entire time. Oh, perfect. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so well, I'm gr- I'm proud of you. I mean, I'm nervous about the new job because then, you know, I don't know what that, I don't know what to expect there. I know what to expect, I think, to a degree. I, I'm hoping, you know, because it's going to be like lifting boxes and moving things and organizing, which I'm pretty good at organizing things when I put my mind to it. You're damn good at um, it. I mean. But I'm just like hoping that the people, the, they seem more warm and like friendly Mm -hmm. and that's i guess that's part of their allure for employees and for customers and that's why so many people shop there i mean it's definitely an allure i mean i was talking to my to my sister and i was like oh yeah i was excited for you and of course it was the i was running right to her yeah look what's happening this is amazing and she goes yeah it's a great company and we were trying to remember if we've even ever seen now we've been shopping at the store since I was five, so you know, long ass time. I'm like, have you ever even seen like a customer fight? I mean, everyone when I think about the customers, no matter what day and time we're shopping there, everyone's chill. Everyone's kind of in their zone. No one's really, you know, agitated or upset or even rushing around. Everyone's just like do 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 do, and they're they're in their own world, and it's a positive experience. The employees are all happy and. Um, at least net neutral, you know, and she goes, man, I think in my life I've seen one argument between two women (coughs) and it didn't even have anything to do with the store. They were friends and fighting over something that they brought into the store with them, you know, some issue thing. And, but it's just the overall mood and temperament of the environment is different and low key and it's sensory. Um, it's actually sensory sensitive by nature. I mean, even the colors of the store are very white based. So as to, you know, and it's calming. 
Uh, it's one of the only stores that I could take Declan in when he was a two-year-old where we couldn't shop at big box stores. We could shop at this particular store. Now I still had a you know 30-minute window before he'd get just overwhelmed with the options of on the shelves, but he he could handle um, the environment and we'd last longer in it. So the environment matters. I mean, I know fluorescent lights can be distracting for some people. Um, you know, you, you have to really take a minute and go through what your environment needs to contain in it for you to feel like you can succeed in, in an ex in experience, especially in a work environment where things are constantly changing and you need that adaptability and that flexibility in order to keep up with it. And you can't already be in fight or flight and then expect it, your brain to be able to adapt to change and, you know, pressure. But we were never taught that when we were looking for jobs before. It was just like, go find someone that will hire you and then go stick it out. That was the only two rules. And it didn't matter if it was good for you. It didn't matter if it was, it didn't matter at all. It was just like, go stick it out. Like, okay, thanks. Yeah. So um, the main reason I brought this up other than to brag, because uh, <laughs> now I'll be stocking your grocery shelves near you um, if you live near me. Um, is to uh, bring up the self-advocation part of, you know, not not just at work, but I know we've talked about this outside, but I just, I thought that talking about it in the world of employment would be apropos to one of the previous uh, it's episodes. It's really important. I think we need to, most of what we need to continue talking about in every different application and, and environment is self-advocation because it is so difficult to do and to feel good about doing. I think what you said earlier is that you don't feel good self-advocating. I just feel uncomfortable, you know, if I don't know, I have, I have to know people pretty well mm -hmm. in order to really feel like I can be myself and say like, hey, I have, you know, needs i mean i was on with my mentor today and i'm in my program and my she's helping me every, every week and i have gotten comfortable enough in my adult career to say i need owner's manuals like i do better when i can read through things and i need to you know have just materials that i can review and reread and bring it into my mind and build my own mental pictures and it took me years years to have the words to say I read owner's manuals and when I could create that reference point and give myself a one-liner that I felt comfortable enough to say, then I could express to someone, yeah, your, your teaching style isn't defective for me. I need this with, and, and do it in a way that didn't put them down. Just saying, I need an owner's manual. Can you help me find a reference that's going to work for me? Right. And then, um, still to your point, I think, I was still talking and then you started talking and I lost my train of thought. Shit. This is going to be a good episode. Uh, if, if I'm just sitting here going, duh. Um, what was I going to say, Rochelle? You were talking about how uncomfortable it is to self-advocate. And I was just agreeing. Well, but I mean, but the, to our listeners, I think that it's, it's, it is an important skill to learn and something that Rochelle brought up after the fact. Um, was you know like hey during the interview did you ask this and did you ask this and did you ask this and i think part of uh 
looking for a job or when you're interviewing because you're interviewing them as much as they're interviewing you is to see what you have to you have to dig and ask questions when they ask you it's one of the worst things you can do in an interview and they ask you if you have any questions and you say nope um you know unless you say like you actually have answered all of my questions i have no further questions but for me like i usually will have a couple of questions and then um the questions that i really should have asked rochelle will tell me later well did you ask them about the working conditions and did you ask them about this and did you ask them about that and i'm like no <laughs> sorry well to be fair I need someone to like sit there with me during an interview to like like a lawyer like you know that like when you're sitting there in court and the judge is like uh you know uh is, there's a statement from the uh well, yeah, you don't mostly like an interpreter. And the thing about it is that if someone were to go with you in a job interview, since they weren't going to be the ones that are being interviewed, it keeps them in a state where they're a little bit more um, capable of remembering those things because they're not sitting there in the heat of the seat, you know, like trying to remember things. And and maybe, and I said this to you after your interview, I was like, well, maybe we need to do a better job of writing some of these things down now that we know. Because if you... When you interviewed for a job five years ago, you never would have asked about the environment or the working in conditions because we didn't know to prioritize those factors. We just, it's just like everything right. else. We took those for granted and you just assume that whatever the factors are, you're going to be fine with it. But that is not the world we live in anymore. I mean, in terms of us as individuals, we've become more keen and attuned to your own needs. That means that now it's brought up the need to clarify working conditions and sensory environments and what's the communication style like and is the r training material written down for reference is it video related is it in person is it hands-on what is what are those things and um combined with the fact that companies are always trying to innovate sometimes the process of innovation and digitizing all their training then removes the written format of the training and for someone like me if you remove the written format of the training I'm screwed <laughs> like you cannot just give me videos and expect me to learn something I need to see it written I have to read the words and so those things all collide in a way that you take for granted because you think innovation is innovation for everyone and it isn't because our needs are all separate so it's just as much of a process of us learning the questions we need to ask now that these new factors of daily life have become a priority for us once you have a new priority then the um then the goal is to defend it you know and support it that takes practice like it's not in your interviewing script to ask those questions and that that 95 percent of your mind that's done interviews in the past would never have asked those questions before because you didn't know to ask them so I ask basic questions. I'm like, what's the culture like here? What's the pay like? Uh, what are the hours going to be like? What does a typical day look like? Um, but when asking that question, you know, I'm not honoring the things I really need to be asking, which, again, would be more for the purposes of self-advocation. And really digging in and, and writing down like what things bother me when I'm in a job and, and, and asking if those 
if if those elements will be present in the new position. Smart. Yeah. And then how much of that, how much of the lack of prep was because you were nervous about it and more in your head about the process of interviewing instead of getting past that and moving into the mechanics of interviewing? Do you see what I'm saying? No. Were you more like, okay, I've got this interview coming up. I've got this interview coming up. Okay, you know, I'm going to pull myself together for it versus being like, okay, I've got an interview coming up. Let's get prepared. I think, well, so going in, into the uh, interview for the fast food place, it was a virtual interview and it was with three different people and they really liked me. You know, you could tell they were like, like kind of like, yeah, you got the job kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then they offered me the position. Um but I just, for me, like, and not to disparage anyone that works in fast food, because honestly, n- you know, now that I've b- been back in it for a minute, um, I'm like, man, these people work really hard. Mm-hmm. It is not, they're underpaid. It mm-hmm. is, and it's not a glorious job, but I just don't see myself working in a fast food restaurant, you know, as a manager and the the hours and the stress of of that just don't appeal to me um but working in the grocery store you know uh, not to say that it's going to be slower paced or anything but um you know the first thing is the expectation that the other job was you know you had to work a minimum of 10 hours a day that's a lot and without overtime and then they were like yeah if you work 50 hours a week you get overtime and i'm like in my head i'm like isn't that illegal um but I think that they they because they structure it as if you're a salary employee. Mm-hmm. Well, managers can also be worked more. Right, but they should pay you for those hours. And in this position, I'll be hourly at the grocery store, and I'm hoping and assuming that you know I'll be paid for overtime. Yeah, you will be. Yeah, and and. The other thing that's important to note about this whole conversation is that you landed a job like 11 or 12 years ago with this company and with with your former, former company. And you you kept that job for a very long time. Now, that job moved you around and whatever, but you stayed with the same company for a very long time. So because of your loyal nature you probably missed out on three or four different new job acquisitions that other people would have gained because they would have bounced around every two and three years and you didn't do that. So in that case, although your loyalty works towards you in certain areas, it also worked against you in the fact that it just removed, it just reduced some of your experience in these areas because you didn't have to do it. Right. Yeah, I mean, there was an opportunity that I had to work for Red Camera, which was probably one of the bigger regrets I have because it would have been a really good experience um, and a good job uh, because it was like more in tune with what I want to do. And um, I ended up uh, turning that position down. They recruited me, actually. Mm Mm-hmm. And it was the same pay and it was like the same benefits. And so I was like, mm, well, I'm going to take a risk. Right. And so that's what was so funny is that fast forward to now. And on Monday, like I was in, I, you know, I was like, I'm not going to have a job after today. And, and I still quit. Good for you. Well, uh, so one of the 
things we talked about what throughout this week was this concept of saying yes, because even as we were trying to work through how to help you job change again and trust that the next new job would find you faster than the last new job found you because that was like 18 months, right? And I was like, no, 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 we can do this faster. I promise we can get you a new job faster. Now, I have no right to make that promise. I'm not the employers calling out to you, but energetically, I'm like, no, there's no reason why this needs to take another 18 months. From experience, you would you would be able, from experience, you would generalize, well, if that one took forever, then the next one could take forever. And I'm like, no. But by contrast, I'm the type of person, and I appreciate that you took my advice and, and that you just went with me on this. It, it's better in certain circumstances, this one being one of them, where you just start saying yes to opportunities. Start saying yes. Fibby? No. <laughs> Nicely done, but no. Try to say yes to opportunities so that you have the chance to evaluate them. Because again, you're not you're not marrying a job for life. You're saying yes, you're open to exploring the opportunity with them. And if you get down the road, even if it's two days or two hours later and it doesn't fit, you can undecide and you can say thank you, but no thank you. And if you automatically say no without really evaluating anything, you don't know whether you just passed up on another red camera opportunity. It's 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 called opportunistic hot potato. So when you are when you're making a change, they, then you're going to receive different opportunities. And because you don't always have frames of references for those opportunities, you got to give yourself a chance to get in and explore and, and decide whether it's going to work for you. And the only way to do that is to say yes to it. But the only way to say yes to it is to know up front that you're going to say yes conditionally on your research and your um, ability to understand what that opportunity is. And if the opportunity continues to fit within what you're looking for, then you can continue to say yes to moving forward. But at any point in time, you can say no. So there's no harm in saying yes and exploring it. The harm in saying no right away is now you have no idea what you just said no to. And you you deny yourself the opportunity to explore and figure out what the best fit is. You had at one point in time this week, two, possibly three opportunities to sh- to switch from as soon as you left fast food. It's like as soon as you honored yourself, you go, I love myself more than this. I, 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 I deserve a better working environment for myself. Nothing against this environment, but it's just not for me. It's not a fit for me. It's not in alignment with who I am. I have to wear a mask to be here and I'm suffering to do that. As soon as you acknowledged all that and loved yourself enough and go, no, I can find a place that's better suited for me, that phone rang. I mean, it was minutes after we had that conversation, the phone rang. Hey, Blake, we want to talk to you about another opportunity. And then we go and we apply at another one and we just open up your options and they wrote right back. Well, here's what we have available. Let's talk to you here. You know, so you start saying yes and you start allowing those opportunities to come in. Now it puts you in the driver's seat of evaluating your options and finding your best fit, which is another form of self-advocacy because now you're sitting there with a very intentional mindset of what is this opportunity and what are my needs and what is this opportunity and this fits these needs better than these needs like you're sitting there doing the work of figuring out where you thrive versus what are you accepting and can you survive it and that mindset shift is so important because what you're setting yourself up for 
is a daily experience that you either come to love or you come to hate. And you can't live in a place where you hate it because the more you think and you feel that you don't want to be there and that you're suffering, the more that you're going to change all of your neurology and biology into a state that we already know is unhealthy. And when you have a neurodivergent body and brain, you can't afford to live in in fight or flight on top of the fight or flight your body is already trying to manage. You just can't do that. Like you're not going to function well. It's going to make everything harder. And why do that? So when you know that formula, apply it, which is what you did this week. And now you are picking between two or three different options and you can make a really informed, self-nurturing decision, right? Right. That we have the opportunity to feel optimistic about. Yes. And it's not always a guarantee that we can feel optimistic about things. So I'm proud of you. Thank you. I'm very proud of you. And self-advocacy takes practice. Practice is something that um, the, the pra- the, it's like practice makes permanent. Well, I don't know if self-advocacy is a, is a, is a permanent skill because it's more formulaic because your needs are going to continue to change. So in order to self-advocate, you have to be aware of what your, self, what your needs are. So it starts with knowing your needs. The more you know your needs, the more you can speak up for them. Sorry, I'm getting all excited about News Minute and Pop Minute. Oh, I can tell. You're zoning me out. I am. Go ahead. You can pop on. Are we good? Sure. You feel like we covered everything? Yeah, I mean, I'm good. Okay. Did I cut you off? Mm Mm-hmm. Keep 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 talking. You're you're good at it. <laughs> Thanks. No, I lost what I was headed for. So, I no, I just I, I just encourage anyone that's if you're out there and you were like me and you're struggling in a position, you you really want to you take a chance and uh, start trying to look for something that is more in line with what you want to do. And, you know, if, if you, if you have it, it, you know, and I hate to say like, I'm so brave, but it, it does take some bravery because you're going into the unknown, um, trying something new and getting out of your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. So try to evaluate how far outside of your comfort zone you're going to be getting into by asking those questions of self-advocacy is what I'm saying. That's a good point. So, this is a short news minute and pop minute because I only really wrote down th- three things. Okay. News minute. Okay. I uh, just wanted to talk about the most recent, uh, because this is more of a local topic, um, the most recent election that we had here in Georgia uh, for Raphael Warnock and Herschel Walker uh, running yeah. for state senate. It's a big deal here in the U.S., right? yeah. State senate? Yep. And because and because of that, the Democrat not the state senate, like for the or the house. No, it's it there. He's now our senator. Yeah. So the so yeah. not the state senate, the the senate. Right. You know, you know what I mean. Well, yeah. There's the state senator. 
Correct. That's what I meant. Um, and so he was reelected. Uh, uh, Warnock was reelected, and uh, both Rochelle and I voted in the uh, in the runoff election. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, regardless of what your political, I don't want to get too political, um, but regardless of what your political views are, um, just from my perspective, I thought it showed some progress in the area. It's funny if you look at the map, like Georgia is so red and then you see like the 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 more densely populated areas where people are a bit more educated, if I may, tend to turn Democrat. I mean, the studies are there and why that matters. Again, not politics aren't uh, politics aside. It's just that when it comes to to support groups medically and um socially with additional whether it's you know education or whether it's therapies or whatever it is it it has always tended to progress more by one party versus the other so when we're looking at you know how do we continue to improve the support that we get for our family's needs you know we need to keep in mind that that requires participation. So we're just saying we're grateful to be able to participate in the process and hopefully help keep the needle moving towards, you know, a society that's more inclusive and that that is honestly dedicated to acknowledging the all pe- all members of its of its subset groups that need support. Yeah. Pop minute. My timing is impeccable. <laughs> uh, the uh, if if you, I think you can see them online, but I happen to catch them on Disney Plus. They had dropped the trailer for Indiana Jones, and what is it called? Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Which is, I will say this: the I, I the trailer looked pretty good. Mm-hmm. The title sucks. <laughs> the Dial of Destiny. It just sounds, I don't know, it just sounds corny. But um, James Mangold, I believe, is directing the movie. And uh, he, uh, there was something, what did he direct? He's directed quite a few things. And I was like, oh, he's actually made some pretty, oh, he directed, that was the thing he directed. He directed Logan. No, yeah, that was good. um, I believe. Ford versus Ferrari was good. Um, Ford versus Ferrari. Uh... 310 to Yuma, Walk the Line, Copland, Girl Interrupted. I like so Kate and Leopold. He's, uh, okay. So he's directed a few, you know, pretty good movies. And so I'm hoping that, uh, I'm hoping that this new one will be, um, will be good. I mean, the trailer shows like a younger Indiana Jones and the older Indiana Jones. So they're doing some of that face replacement with CGI and some people were kind of bitching about that, but I thought I was like, "Oh, this is kind of cool. We'll get to see some like maybe some more backstory." And then, uh, um, you know, Harrison Ford's probably done at this point because he's what? Oh, in terms of age, he's eighty years old. Yeah, and I think he injured himself pretty badly on this one. That's yeah. what I heard. Like they had to stop a couple times, or at least once, because of some injuries. And I think he got sick at one point. I mean, he's. He's had a really outstanding career, and I'm just impressed that he pulled off Indiana Jones 5. 
uh, <laughs> himself and that we didn't have to change character. You know, like I'm glad it's him. Yeah, me too. Hopefully this one will be better than uh, Crystal Skull, which I think most people would agree was kind of a steaming turd in compared to the <laughs> to the first three Indiana Jones. I love, I mean, I grew up on Indiana Jones and so like with the fourth one, when that came out, it was a big yeah, deal. I saw yeah. it in the theater, like midnight showing. It was just not as classic. And it just was kind of like the whole time was just like, what am I watching? Um, so with this one, it looks like they're trying to go back to... The, you know closer to what the um you know the original trilogy the look and feel the look and, and feel of yeah. that um and it's the first uh time that uh someone named steven spielberg isn't directing an indiana jones movie oh you're right i didn't pick that up yeah he's directed all of them and george lucas was the executive producer and now it's I think this is probably being produced by well obviously it's on Disney Plus so uh, the trailer anyway so I'm I'm assuming Disney owns Indiana Jones sure um, which makes sense anyway and then um, the other trailer that dropped was for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 okay which I thought watching that I was like oh man I like I love the music in those movies I like the the humor and the action and everything and the the trailer doesn't seem to give too much away and I was excited about it because I had just watched the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. Yeah, that was pretty good. Which is like 45 minutes. And uh, I think it's worth watching. It's got some 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 pretty good music and some fun moments. It's very, you know, it's it's pretty simple story. It's like a, you know, just like a cute little Christmas movie. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, just wanted to mention those few things and, and pop in news. Well, it was Before nice to have like out. a new Christmas movie to watch, right? Because yeah. so many of the, when we when we go through all the Christmas movies, we're like, oh, here it's Christmas again. Let's watch the same 13 movies over and over. It was nice to have a new one. Yeah. No, I agree. So um, I think unless you have anything else to say that about does it for us this week? No. I mean, self-advocacy is definitely the topic. And I know we focused a lot on you, but like, you know, Declan turned four and self-advocacy remains one of his number one challenges that we're working on and and adapting to his changing environments and so you know I think that this topic is widely applicable regardless of where you are in your stage of life because it's representative of the need to continue participating in things outside of the home and it captured all the same struggles that you would run into in different environments so I appreciate you being so transparent about the whole journey because you know it's it's something i think a lot of people can relate to and changing jobs is terrifying it is so it's not an easy thing to do Mm -mm. but i did it with grace i'm so good you did (laughs) you did and changing jobs and in changing industries you know and being willing to learn and and i think that's the biggest thing is being just willing to um to know yourself, willing to stand up for what you need and willing to learn an, in a new environment and bring forward what you know about yourself. I mean, that's that's where the dedication and the self-love is. And I say self-love in terms of like self-interested and and that you're... When we're done recording, I'm going to go and... Um, no, 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 no. Display a little self-love. <laughs> you're so bad. Anyway... I'm Blake. And I'm Rochelle. And we'll be back. I have some new music. It's a shorter one this week, but uh, it's got a little bit of a kick to it. So here we go. (laughs) 